Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. on a mission from God. Matt, me and Elwood, putting the band back together. Ma'am, you gotta understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. Would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy thing? You see, we're on a mission from God. First you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the band. Now you're gonna put me right back in the joint. They're not gonna catch us. We're on a mission from God. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. in mysterious ways. Yep. What happens is nobody goes to trial. Right, yeah, it's all about plea bargains, isn't it? It's all about plea mm -hmm. bargains. That's the way the system has been, quote-unquote, streamlined. And it's because trials are expensive, and they don't want to do that. So uh, the district attorney's job, basically, is to uh, work out a plea agreement. So the way this works is you're locked up for four months before you get your first plea deal. And if you've been locked up for four months, you're not thinking straight anyway. You That's just, the thing. You do not want to spend any longer in jail than yeah. you have to, and, and you'll take whatever you can get. Now, I want to read something go to ahead. you. And... Um, Around here, everybody knows what the Second Amendment says. Mm -hmm. Every good American knows what the First Amendment says. Mm -hmm. But here's the Eighth Amendment. And it says, Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. But nobody ever talks about the first one. Excessive bail shall not be required, mm -hmm. nor excessive fines imposed. It's spelled out. Spelled out clear. Excessive bail and excessive fines are not to be imposed. How is $75,000 not an excessive bail right. for a family that at the time was only making $30,000 a year? How yeah. is that not excessive? That is a clear violation of the United States Constitution, and yet it happens every single day. That's right. Revealing truth by exposing lies. What does that mean? That means that on this podcast, we're going to talk about a variety of subjects, but we have an intention in mind, and that is to move beyond political ideology, religious dogmatism, tribalism, and nationalism, even beyond personal opinion, beyond false authorities that so many people don't even question, and taking you, the audience, someplace that you may not be quite ready to go, to that place beyond us 
and them. This is Two Dimwits. We are two political idiots who want to discuss politics and religion. Dwight Hignight on the left, Mark Matthews on the right. Thank you for joining us as we find common ground between the far left and the far right. Well, Dwight, um, here we are doing a podcast. Uh, I think we're up to 19. Wow. That's a lot of BS to wait through. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's that's really cool. I, I, I was, uh, you know, I... I I was wondering if we were going to make it to 10, and now we're on 19. That's just awesome. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, we have a lot to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we have a lot of noise to make. Let's put it that way. I, I mean, last time, we, we talked for two hours. Yeah, well, yeah. Turned into two it, podcasts. Yeah, and I think the time before that, we talked for almost two hours. Too. Yeah, so we're not going to do that tonight. Um, Hopefully not. The That's intention famous is, last words, right? Right. <laughs> so... Um, the, the intention here is to get into the question of mass incarceration, and we could jump right into that. But um, what I like to do is kind of warm up by just having a, a, a conversation about whatever whatever's on our mind. And we, you know, that really worked well last time. Yeah. Last last week, it was a beautiful thing. And I, I, I really appreciated just you and I just kind of freely talking. And, and I think that was actually one of the better podcasts, to be honest with you. Well, um, good. So yeah. let's repeat that um, format, sure. and we'll just carry on where we what we've been talking about. Sure, uh, we, we've been talking about the question of civilization 2.0, mm-hmm. uh, what that means, what that looks like, what it feels like, and, and forming community around this idea. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what we're saying here is that our current system, uh, which we're calling civilization 1.0, mm-hmm. is broken. Yep. And in collapse. Yeah. And uh, there, some, you know, people might question that. They might think that things are going to continue the way they are indefinitely. But well, uh, I can tell you that um, the way most people are, and in, in <laughs> my practice I've, I've discovered this, and in myself I've discovered this. When things are going good, you expect things to be always good. And when things are going bad, you never expect things to get better. But my life experience has taught me that when things are going good, the the, the other There's, foot is about to fall. That's right. And uh, so I'm kind of pessimistic that way. But when things are going bad, eventually, because the universe seeks balance and so does nature, eventually things are going to get better. And we could look at it, either the cup is half full or half empty at this point. Cup, the cup has water in it, dude. Well, we're, we are in this collapse of civilization right now, and, and again, I think some people listening to this might question that. But when I say that we're in a collapse, I'm saying that there's some, um, we're heading down, civilization 1.0 is, is barreling along down the highway, not realizing there's a brick wall ahead of us. Right. And, and uh, some of the smartest people in the world are, are, are saying, look, you know, we're facing uh, extinction-level events here. For example, the, uh, uh, the oceans are being... Destroyed, right. you know. Coral reefs are dying right. left and right. You got a garbage patch the size of Texas and the South Pacific. Well, not let's not forget about Fukushima. Fukushima with the, you know, it's really funny. When Chernobyl blew up, it was all over the news. Yeah. Fukushima 
goes kablooey, and you know, I haven't heard a whole lot about it. I know. Well, that's, that's disappointing. We were talking about iodine uh, yeah. in our last mm-hmm. podcast, and this is another reason why iodine is important is because we're being exposed to higher levels of radiation as a consequence. You know, when you get cow's milk, uh, which mm-hmm. is, you know, they're they're eating grass, and, right? And so, uh, there, this radiation is has from Fukushima. And other sources ha- uh, affects the grass. Uh, immediately after Fukushima, the radiation levels in cow's milk went up. Right. And uh, so the need for uh, for iodine went up. Right. And uh, I'm, I haven't monitored the situation. Uh, I don't know what the situation is now. Because it's not in the news, dude. That's the point you're making is that uh, even when these catastrophic events take place, uh, it's it becomes a news story for a couple of news cycles, and then it's... You know, and then that's it. It's, we're going to yeah. talk about something else. Yeah. And, you know, the in America, the thing that we love to talk about most is, like, you know, the President of the United States and what he said this week, and, you know... Exactly. And uh, it's like, you know, we're not thinking about the long term. He does a great job of keeping us all distracted. Bread and circuses, baby. It's all yeah. about keeping people's belly full and keeping them entertained while the real business is going on just underneath our vision. Yeah, well, that's hacking democracy, isn't it? And sure is. He, uh, but he's not hes not the first one to do that. No. And this has been an ongoing um, situation. Won't be the last, or maybe he will, I don't know. So, uh, again, the thing that we talked about was identifying the problem and then saying, okay, what's the solution? And, and you know... Um, the, the the quote from Buckminster Fuller was to uh, when you rise above the current system, you make instead of fighting against it, uh, you make the old system obsolete by creating a new idea that's superior and yes. rise above the old system. Yep. So uh, rather than being subversive uh, <laughs> and trying to overthrow the current corporate capitalist system, I do like the word though. I'm a subversive. <laughs> I mean, you identified. I, I, Oh, yeah. You identified that we're both uh, anarchists at heart. That's pretty subversive. It is. Yeah. And yeah. it's accurate. Okay? Yeah. Okay. What, what I'm saying is that um, we need to be a little more mature and realize that, <laughs> right. uh, that historically... Um, it doesn't turn out well for anarchists. <laughs> no. Historically, subversive organizations don't achieve the goals they set out to achieve. No. A lot of times, subversive organizations, if they're successful, uh, only create a bigger problem. They become the enemy they were fighting against. Yeah, and we were talking about this before the podcast. Yeah. I mentioned the Soviet Union. Right. Perfect example. So this is the danger of being a revolutionary is that, you know, what are you going to replace the system you're overthrowing with? Right. And a lot of revolutionaries don't give any thought to that. They just nope. they just see the system as evil. They want to overthrow it. Mm-hmm. And then as a consequence, then you get something uh, worse, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. you get a Lenin or a Stalin or, or a Mao. Mm-hmm. And so this is not uh, the path we want to take here. Um, so the, the Buckminster Fuller quote comes to mind because, you know, and a good example of this is like the current banking system, you know, with all this large pools of capital and money residing in the hands of a few people, uh, a few f- families that control the Federal Reserve banking system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could fight that like uh, Ron Paul and say, hey, let's audit the Federal Reserve. But ultimately, what good is that going to do? And so, you know, the solution to that problem was it came up by some guy by the name of Satoshi Nagamoto when he created the blockchain and Bitcoin. Uh-huh. He published the paper in 2009, and uh, a day before he published that white paper, the idea of creating a private money monetary system was completely off the grid. Nobody even conceived the idea right. as possible. Right, right. But then he published this paper called 
Bitcoin, and all of a sudden uh, it became a reality that we could create private money. Right. And I mean, that that's that's kind of like the the libertarian socialist idea of dual power. You're you're creating a new and better system within the old system. Just ignoring the system. Mm-hmm. Instead of fighting it, instead of trying to fight the Federal mm-hmm. Reserve Bank system, create something that's superior and ignore the right. old system. Right, right. And so this is the space that we're in now. With tech, it's possible because of the technological advances that we have, mm-hmm. you know, with the Internet and uh, programming and all of this. Yep. So what I uh, got turned on to this week is um, there's a... Um, a startup company, they've actually been around for 10 years, but the, the, they've been working on this Civilization 2.0 question uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. And they've given a lot of deep thought to the uh, question of what's wrong with the current system. And we talked about this last yeah, week, last, about yeah. mm-hmm. how, how mm-hmm. the motivations are all messed up. Right, you know, right, right. We're incentivized to make money because of scarcity, mm-hmm. and this is creating competition in a zero-sum game where there's always going to be a loser. And so mm-hmm. how do you create a win-win situation? And um, so they're reinventing the idea of the Internet, how the Internet works, and the, 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 they have a, um, what they call a holo or halo uh, chain. It's spelled okay. H-O-L-O chain. Okay. Some people pronounce it hollow and some people pronounce it halo, but the I think the word originally came from the idea of holographic, so a holographic uh-huh. chain. And the okay. idea of holographic is that you, you can't shut it down. It's like the blockchain, uh-huh. but it's not the blockchain. It's different. Um, it's a decentralized <laughs> system that doesn't rely on a blockchain. It's, it's more like the Lightning Network, which is maybe you don't know what that is, but I can no. explain. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> in... Um, <laughs> The, as soon as you said computer, my brain switched off. So I know, ahead. I know. You, you know what that's called? It's called willful ignorance. Yeah, yeah, baby, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I need to change you, that. You need to open your mind, learn something. Um, okay, so you have. I don't know if you remember. Uh, there was back in the, um, I think it was '90s. There was a, a file sharing program uh, where people were downloading music for free, and it caused a big controversy. Napster. Napster. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, the Napster technology uh, was based on this idea that people have this, um, they have this resource on their computer, that, you know, extra space on their, that they're not using. Uh-huh. And so people could download the client and then the client opens up their computer to, for file sharing and people could uh, put music into that, file share, into that file that's then shared with other people. And so if I wanted right. a particular music, it would go search for it and it would search for it on 100,000 different computers and find it and then download it, transfer the file from their computer to mine. Now, see, I, I'm not sure because I'm really, really ignorant on the, on the computer stuff and, again, probably willful. But now, isn't that something? Isn't that kind of how the internet already works? Not exactly. I mean, the 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 current architecture is um, stuck in the old mainframe mentality, and they've okay. just replaced that with cloud sharing. So it's still a, a central point of failure. You still have like um, it's it's like okay, you have a, a a server that's that's putting out the content, which is the website or whatever. Uh-huh. And if if there was like a denial of service attack against that particular server then the fi- then the files are no longer available because people can't access it so that i see so you, you what you, so the current network internet basically is a network of servers not and what you're talking about is uh private you know individual computers right okay okay so um it's democratizing the internet yeah, that's and, exactly what i was thinking yeah, yeah. mm-hmm and so the the reason why this is um, a hot topic is because a lot of um, 
free speech subjects have been raised recently with the um, deplatform of people like Alex Jones and others um, mm-hmm. who who are um, on YouTube and their message is uh, being um, suppressed because they're they're engaged in hate speech uh, mm-hmm. according to the powers that be. Like, mm-hmm. and I say powers that be, I'm talking about Facebook, Google, Twitter. Mm-hmm. They're they're saying they're identifying. Um, these alt-right and various other groups like Farrakhan or whoever that are unsavory uh, in the minds Mm -hmm. of the liberal uh, establishment. And so their solution is to de-platform these people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, this is a cultural phenomenon. It's not just affecting the Alex Jones and the the Farrakhans. It's affecting uh, uh, even professors at progressive colleges and universities. If they, if they say things that are out of step with the, um, the, the predominant right. view, then right. they're going to be asked to leave. Right. We right. don't care right. if you have right. tenure. You've got to get out of here because mm-hmm. you didn't get on board with the latest uh, um, hashtag um, you know, movement. Yeah, right. right and right. Uh, so hmm. this is an attack on... This is what created the intellectual dark web in the first place because there were um, people like Brett Weinstein who, who was... Um, um, a, a liberal, and but he didn't jump on board with the the Me Too hashtag or whatever it was, uh-huh. and um, because they wanted to do what he viewed was they were infringing on free speech by by uh, f- forcing people to participate in their um, in their walkout, and uh, he he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to. He wasn't going to go along with that. And then huh. uh, Peterson, uh, same thing with using the right pronouns with transgenders and whatever, oh, forcing, yeah. forcing yeah. speech that you have to say he or she appropriately right, right, right. and yeah. or you can yeah. face consequences. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so the, 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 the free speech advocates now are not <clears throat> who they used to be. There's been a role reversal. It's like the people... Seems that way. Yeah. The people who uh, were once considered liberal and their liberal values were free speech have become, it seems, radicalized in that they're now gone to an extreme, and it's like the liberals have become conservatives. Well, you know, I've, I've thought this a long time. I've never really uh, spoken it on a podcast or anything, but uh, now keep in mind, you know, I am, I'm so left, I've got two left feet, I can't even dance, right? Uh, but... Um, I like that, it's uh, funny. Okay, yeah, uh, so... Um, Anyway, I'm thinking about, and I've thought about this a long time. Back in the 1960s, you had this very conservative establishment. You know, crew cut, let's go serve our country, all this other BS. And then you had a counterculture, you know, a bunch of long-haired hippie kids, you know, taking acid and having sex and running around naked and all that kind of stuff at uh, Woodstock, you know, whatever. And what happened was, is those hippie kids grew up, and they got old, and they basically became the establishment. Right. They learned to program and create Java code, and 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 right. And they, they made so, a lot of money. Right. So they became the establishment. And um, now here's where I'm really talking from outside of all of this nonsense. And so the uh, the conservatives became almost the counterculture, which mm-hmm. comes up as the alt right. <laughs> And the hippie movement becomes the establishment. And it's really funny about how human beings are whenever it comes to power and hierarchies. You know, when you get into a position of authority, the number one thing that you want to do is protect that protect that position. And so, um, you know, this idea of free speech. Now, I don't agree with anything that some of these guys talk about. P- 
Peterson, a great psychologist, don't agree with his politics at all, whatever, okay. But he has a right to say it. He has a right. This is America. It is free speech. So, uh, you know... Even though he's Canadian, but yeah, I get you. Well, whatever. You know, he can say it in America because it's, it's, you know, it's supposed to be free speech. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of... That, that concerns me and, and then the hypocrisy of, you know, talking about free speech and talking about all this stuff. And then whenever you get to be the older generation... And, you know, you're you're the baby boomer here, and, and, you know, you've got the money, and you've got the power. And so, you know, you're talking about, you know, when they, when, you know, when the baby boomers were young, talking about overthrowing, you know, the government, talking about a new era, the age of Aquarius, and all this other kind of stuff. But now, what do we got? We got the same old thing. So, God forbid that our generation, Mark, Generation X, mm-hmm. does the same thing. But you know they will. Right? What do you mean? When we get old. You know, not me and you. Because, when? Like well, yeah. Older, dude. Okay. <laughs> but, but, but you know, I'm not talking about me and you because we ain't got no money anyway. But I'm talking about people our age when, you know, when they become more of the establishment. What are they going to do? They're going to protect what they have, you know. So, um, anyway, I'm not sure where I'm where I'm going with this. But I've just, I'm, I'm with you though. I have seen this role reversal, this, mm-hmm. this switch, and then the abandonment of what, you know, the baby boomers were supposed to stand for. You know, they get into this position of power and then they abandon all their ideals. And, you know, I, hey, listen, just because you don't like what somebody's saying doesn't mean that they don't have a right to say it. I disagree with most of the people that you agree with, but they still have a right to say it, you know. Go yeah, ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <clears throat> I've done played out my stream of consciousness. So go ahead, brother. Well, <laughs> I think that you and I uh, both uh, value the free enterprise of ideas. That we do. And uh, when you place limits on the free enterprise of ideas, uh, the society suffers for it. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that you know we want to create a healthy um, um, ecosystem. And part of a healthy ecosystem involves uh, the free enterprise of ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's the issue here uh, with this deplatforming people. Now, uh, the reason I brought that up is because I was explaining how this hollow chain is trying to address this problem um, by decentralizing the internet and by creating a, a, a new format or a protocol for how files are delivered. So, essentially, with this new protocol, um, new applications are going to be created and are being created. That will replace the Facebooks and the Google and the and the Twitter, and make them um, more democratic in the sense that there won't be this kind of um, centralized power and authority in the hands of a corporation that could then decide that your free speech is unacceptable and we're going to shut it off. <clears throat> so I have a question. Go ahead on this. Okay, so that sounds wonderful. Okay, but as you and I know, there's a lot of players out there that. Um, have their own agenda. And I know, yeah, I don't know how you feel about Russia, but, because uh, we haven't really talked about that, but, you know, the Russians have been very good at getting their agenda into the American Internet. And then let's say if YouTube, or let's say Google, Google, that's a perfect example. Let's say Google. Let's say you have this, uh, what you call it, uh, Halo? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's say you have this. What kind of safeguards are there to keep uh, outside 
you know, influences out of that to really allow for the free expression of ideas? Well, when you have a free enterprise of ideas, then you don't worry about such a thing, okay? Well, no. I think that the real problem you're identifying is the current system's failure. Okay, right. because okay. Yeah. if you want to talk about Russia gaming the system, they're gaming the system by being able to uh, put out content that can get around the Facebooks and the Twitter and exactly. the Google. Yeah. And so the and these I, robots that you know, mm-hmm. it looks like there's like twenty thousand posts, but it's really not uh, twenty thousand people liking this. It's just a computer program that makes it look like there's twenty thousand people liking this. You know, it, it, and and that's what I'm talking about. Like in this new system that you're talking about. Right. How do you protect that from happening? Well, let's just admit that the problem exists today with the current system. Yes. Now, the question is, are we going to build in safeguards to prevent that kind of problem in the future? And my answer is yes. That, uh, okay. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an unknown. It's a question mark. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. But, again, uh, uh, we, we can see that that's a problem today. Right. So... To me, it's not a fair criticism of the future. Did, oh no, I'm okay. not. I'm not criticizing. I'm I simply think, asking out yeah, of ignorance. You know? No, absolutely, yeah. it's a it's a valid concern. And but I again want to point out that the the problem that you're identifying is a problem with the current system. Right. So um, are we going to solve that problem under the current system? I don't think so. No, no. Um, let me give you an example. And we, are we going to solve the problem with the, the, the implementation of a new system? I think there's a greater possibility that we could. Right. Okay. So Because we learned. know what the problem is. Right. You've learned. Right. right. So Civilization 2.0 is going to involve a greater degree of decentralization. With the current system, we have power uh, resonating in the, in the hands of people like Google, Facebook, and Twitter. And what is their agenda? Well, their their customers are the advertisers, they, and their and what they're selling is you and me. We're the that's product, right. yep. so they want to be able to. That's what's messed up about the current system, right? It's and based on profit, it's based on based profit on exploitation. And yeah. you talked about Russia gaming the system. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that this is so that you know Trump could become elected president. There's a whole conspiracy theory about that, and uh, that is one I believe. But go ahead. Um, <laughs> But I think there was a Mueller report that had something to say about that recently. And, no, no, um, no, 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 yeah. All right. Okay. We'll, 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 inconclusive. 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 Well, yeah. okay, we won't go there. Yeah, yeah, but, um, not tonight anyway. Uh, but what I will tell you is that I looked at something this week that was fascinating, which was that um, th- this guy did a podcast or a YouTube video where he said he got this uh, – uh, he, he watched this YouTube video that was like um, a news report, and it was like uh, – and, and here's the thing. It – uh, it, it had a computer voice, right? Uh-huh. And there were images on the YouTube that were, and, and he had watched two of them, and he realized that it was the same content, but what was different was the video feed changed, it was slightly different, and the voice, uh, or there was a ro- robot voice, a robotic voice, mm-hmm. but the robot voice also changed. And so he realized that knowing uh, that this was um, the same content, and it, he was finding it all over the place, and he realized mm-hmm. that they were gaming the system. Whoever put that out there right. was defeating uh, the, the the methods that Google has for preventing this kind of thing. So what they yeah. do, they have they do a sample of the video, and they can they, they can sample the colors on the screen at specific points on the screen, and they can and they can sample the voice, and, and they do this all through electronic means, so that a human being doesn't have to do it. It's uh-huh. just a computer program, and what it does is it says, okay, this video is a copyright infringement, or this video is a repeat of the last video that somebody posted, and right. so we realize that somebody's trying to game the system, or they're doing something that's in violation of terms of service or whatever. 
whatever. Uh -huh. But whoever put these videos out was knew they how to went defeat, around it. Yeah, they, they knew how yeah. to defeat that, and so yeah. they were put. Now he he did some more investigation, and he found that. The first videos that he saw were putting forth like a conservative um, point of view about politics and promoting Trump and what have you. Yeah. And so your immediate thought is, okay, this is like Russia gaming the system, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But then he found that they were doing the same thing from the liberal point of view. They were like putting out things that were anti-Trump. And, and what was going, what was really going on was they were... They were being divisive intentionally to get yeah. people to participate in yep. conversation. So, yep. on the th there was a thread on the YouTube threads. It was they had all these real people mm -hmm. fighting with each other right. on the comment section, right. and they were saying, "Oh, Trump is great. No, he's a jerk." Blah blah blah. Right. And they, <clears throat> and this was happening on both videos, the negative and the positive, the pro <laughs> and the con. And yeah. so. The question was, why would somebody do that? And the answer Just is, so they're, they're making money on promoting a video that gets a lot of likes and a lot of conversation started. Right. So right. they were just getting the American people to fight with each other about controversial issues so they could make money. And that's yeah. how they were gaming the system. It was all money. It was all, ca it was all driven by profit. Yeah. And they didn't really care about politics, obviously. No, no. Uh, so no they, we've talked about that. So that's, a, that's very <clears throat> fascinating because it shows... That shows what the underlying problem is with Civilization 1.0 is that we're all in this mode of thinking that we're um, us versus them mentality. Right. And somebody has figured out how to make money off of it. <coughs> and we're being exploited. Yes. Yeah, we're being exploited yeah. by the 1% or whatever right. it is. Some yeah. some hackers in China or Russia or whatever, and yeah. they're not doing it for political reasons. They're just making they're money. They're just making money. They know how yeah. to exploit us in that way. You know, so, I've told, I think I've mentioned this, and I've told my friend Josh, anytime you're looking at something like that, always follow the money. That's it. Yeah, follow I mean, the money, man. So That's Civilization 1.0. Yep. Let's follow the money, and you'll find yep. out who's who, who stands to gain, who's right. benefiting. Yep. So when we talk about Civilization 2.0, um, what we're saying is that we want to get away from that uh, dysfunctional system that we're currently operating under, which is, like you said, follow the money. Mm -hmm. And if we can, uh, uh, civilization, what does civilization 2.0 look like? Well, in my view, uh, this is a revolutionary thought. And it, it causes us to rethink and recalibrate everything. So that in the future, in the civilization 2.0, that, that whole issue of follow the money is no longer... Uh, the motivating driver, and it's not—it's not—we're not going to be exploited by this kind of stuff in the future. That's okay. That's Civilization 2.0. Is where I agree with you a hundred percent. Now I'm playing the devil's advocate because yeah. you and I are—you talking about common ground? We are at common ground right. on this. This is—you know—you may look at it from one way, I look at it from another, but that's this is what we both want. We yeah. we do not want profit and money to be the main motivation for everyone's actions. Okay. And, and it's important you say everyone, because it's not just the corporations no, that are no, no, the no. evil players here. We're Every individual in this system yes. is motivated for money yeah. in, in ways that are not healthy for the larger community or civilization. Absolutely. We're taught this yeah. in school. We watch television. It's a zero We're taught that on TV. We see it on commercials. So we don't have time to worry about the oceans dying in Fukushima because no, we're busy putting we're, out YouTube videos that are going to make us uh, make, make a bank money. account. Yeah, you know, it's it, ridiculous. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So here's the question. Now, the you know, I, I envision a society that's very similar, I think, to, to to what you're envisioning. The question is, is what you're what you're talking about about not not having money as our motivator. That's going to require a 
major change in how people think. So I've struggled with this personally for, for quite some time. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give, give you my opinion, then, I'll, then I want yours. But I think that the first, you know, like in anything, anything that's really important, the, the, the first step is, is you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so if, if you want to um, be the change that be you want to see be in the, the world. Be the change that you want to see. Now, that sounds like a cliche and blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I, I prefer to use the way my dad put it. Dad said, you know, son, just because the guy next door wants to be a son of a bitch doesn't mean you have to be, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the first step is the individual. But the second step is spreading the idea, which right. is what me and you are trying to do. Yeah. Spreading the idea of... The of virus of the mind. The virus of the mind. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, religion or whatever, but... But, but spreading the idea that, you know, we don't have to be motivated by money. We can be motivated by creativity. We can be motivated by the greater good. We can be motivated by all variety of things. It doesn't have to be money and power, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Health, I'm, I'm health, health and wholeness um, yeah. can, can be a good motivator. Exactly. And, um, you know, the problem is that human beings are always motivated by existential threats. You know, it's like... You know, we think that uh, during when we were in high school, mm. the, the Soviet Union was the evil empire. Right. You know, Ronald Reagan uh, got in the White House with by by taking that position. Right. And um, we we're all worried about nuclear war, and the apocalypse was a real thing. It wasn't no zombie apocalypse bullshit. We were like, literally, it could happen. You know. And Still he took good, he took a strong stand and spent a lot on the military, and as a consequence, the Soviet Union ultimately collapsed. And mm-hmm. and you know, people who know that story know that Ronald Reagan and the Pope conspired to bring that about with solidarity <laughs> in Poland. And and I mean, that's a well, whole, yeah, that's a whole yeah. other podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I, where I would like to you know preach about my hero. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it. I'm still looking for one. <laughs> I wrote a term paper on on Ronald Reagan when I was in high school. Did you really? Yeah, my my term paper was called Ideological Odyssey. Oh, that was the okay. title of the paper. Okay. Because okay. Ronald Reagan started out as a Democrat. He was yeah. a, he was the head of the the Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood and right. stuff. You know, you can't be more liberal than that. Yeah. And right. so, but he's he, he so he progressed towards being a conservative, and then he. You know, mm-hmm. he, he goes down in history as having um, effectively, you know, brought the Soviet Union down. But he did it by standing up to the bully and saying, mm-hmm. hey, you're the evil empire. And that's uh, that's the history of it. And we can talk about that and we can disagree about that. It'd be a fun podcast to talk about. Yeah. But the one thing I want to focus on right now is the fact that if you look at the world today, who's the evil empire today? Hmm. Well, um, it's a rhetorical question. Hmm. And we don't have to answer that. We can just <laughs> we can just say, hmm. Let the listener figure that yeah, one out. Yeah, it's it's the capital from Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. Hunger Games. Yeah. Oh, that's... hey, listen. Have you ever seen? Have you read the book? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, all three of them. You know, it's really funny how that's very mm-hmm. very symbolic of oh, yeah. the way the world is right yeah, now, yeah. isn't it? She knew the mm-hmm. author of that had an insight into. Oh, yeah. You know, the, uh, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. It's a little subversive. But, yeah, oh, yeah, I like that that's word. A, Go ahead. If you want to, I love the topic. I love the topic. <laughs> love uh, you know, George mm. Orwell's 1984, 
Mm. Um, that fits in there perfectly. Yeah. And, and the Brave New World, Huxley, and mm-hmm. all of that. And then Hunger oh, Games. Yeah. Hunger Games is going to, to me, is just fits right in with that. Yeah, it's just it like an updated version of it and right. more accurate in many yep. ways. Yep. And I think that this is the future that some uh, elitists envision, you know, this idea. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so. Well, you know what? My thing is. If you take away the technology in the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. it's not the future, man. It's the present. You know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a very powerful symbol if you want to look at it symbolically. But yeah, I would also I argue that it's that not way. just symbolic. It's literally, mm-hmm. literally the direction that we're headed. And mm-hmm. um, because it benefit once again, follow the money. You know, it's the it's right. cer- there's certain um, super capitalists or whoever, conspirators out there who would... Uh, who, can envision that future. Well, and you have one. You have one nation on the planet of the Earth right now. We lead every other country in consumption, mm-hmm. and um, we got to be taking it from somewhere. Uh, so again, well, we, well, yeah. you just said we're leading in, and uh, that brings us into the subject of mass incarceration. All right, let's go. Because you know, you want to talk about leading the world. We're leading the world in incarcerating our own people. Yes. You know that the United States of America incarcerates more people than any other nation in the world to the extreme. And uh, even, even more than North Korea. Yeah. How weird is that? That is, yeah, that is very strange. And, and well, okay. So I think what we were going to talk about was uh, pre-trial incarceration. Yeah, that's a subject that, um, I mean, there's a lot that we could talk about when it comes with the sub with the title of mass incarceration, we could talk about private prisons. Well, but you know, uh, we could talk about private prisons all night. But the the fact of the matter is that private prisons make up uh, less than eight percent. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so okay. I kind of think that that's not even worthy of discussion mm. because you can uh, get on your high horse and talk about how the capitalist system is evil and how um, <laughs> you know about okay. private prisons and such. <laughs> and, and I might even agree with you, but when it when it's eight percent, it's like uh, maybe that's not the real problem. Right. As long as it doesn't keep growing, you know, that's, it's symptomatic of a problem. It is. Yeah. 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 But um, well, okay. So you, you mentioned private prisons. I did a little bit of research on this, and um, so you know, private prisons. Okay, so you you know they're they're being run, and the idea behind private prisons is the owners of the prison are are incentivized to fill those prisons to to you know get the the law enforcement to to arrest people, put them in jail. But here's the thing that we're really missing. Uh huh. Um. There is a much larger industry that is incentivized to do that, and that's the bail bondsman. Interesting that you say that. Yeah. Um, you know, I was incarcerated in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and New Jersey has uh, what they call bail reform. Yeah. And so they're leading the nation in bail reform, and they, they've implemented this. It's been in place now for a year, mm-hmm. uh, over a year. And so people are looking at this very closely, and... Um, basically what it boils down to is they got rid of the bail bondsman. They've destroyed that industry in New Jersey because um, a, a judge, I think his last name is Shalom. I'm not sure uh, if that's correct. But anyway, okay. he, he came up with a solution, uh, what he believed would improve the current system. And the problem, of course, is that uh, you have a, until this reform took place, uh, the whole country was in a situation where you would stand in front of a judge and he would make a determination about what your bail is going to be. Right. And the whole idea behind that was so that you would show up for your sentencing, right? right. And so the, the chief thing that needs to be of concern to the judge and the prosecutor at that point is, are you a flight risk? And, you know, so the, the, what they look at several metrics, and one of the things is, 
do you have family that's in the neighborhood or in the established in the community or whatever? So, of course, if you do, then the chances of you showing up for the uh, sentencing are increased dramatically. Um, but what they what the problem, of course, is that people who have who are affluent they can afford the bail, but right. those poor people or indigent individuals who don't have they can't come up with five hundred bucks. Um, you know that's a hardship. Five hundred bucks, five thousand. Well, bucks. the bail is five thousand, but the bail bondsman has to take ten percent of that. Right, and that's how he makes his uh, money. That's, that's how he makes his money. So you have to have some resources, mm-hmm. either some fu- family that's going to front the money for you or help you out. And a lot of people don't have that. They don't have the resources. Um, it's a hardship, even for people who are living paycheck to paycheck and own a house and two cars, they might end up losing their job and, and, and losing their house and their cars. They might lose right. it all because they're locked up and yeah. can't afford the bail. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So uh, this does happen. And so there needs to be some kind of bail reform. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfair. The system that demands that people who are poor, that's who suffers because they can't afford the bail. And consequently, they end up being locked up in jail for a period of a long period of time, like yep. six months or longer. Yep. Uh, nine months in some cases, and even longer in other cases, because the way that, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the way the system works, like let's just take Arkansas, where I was locked up in Arkansas, I know how this works firsthand. Um, what happens is nobody goes to trial. Right, yeah, it's all about plea bargains, isn't it? It's all about plea mm-hmm. bargains. That's the way the system has been, quote unquote, streamlined. And it's because trials are expensive. And they don't want to do that. So uh, the district attorney's job, basically, is to uh, work out a plea agreement. So the way this works is you're locked up for four months before you get your first plea deal. And if you've been locked up for four months, you're not thinking straight anyway. You That's just, the thing. You do not want to spend any longer in jail than yeah. you have to. And, and you'll take whatever you can get. Now, I want to read something go to ahead. you. And... Um, Around here, everybody knows what the Second Amendment says. Mm -hmm. Every good American knows what the First Amendment says. Mm -hmm. But here's the Eighth Amendment. And it says, Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Mm -hmm. Now, we've all heard about cruel and unusual punishments because that's the death penalty you know, debate, which we can talk about on another podcast. But nobody ever talks about the first one. Excessive bail shall not be required, mm. nor excessive fines imposed. It's spelled out. Spelled out clear. And yet... So, l- let me give you an example. This is a real-life example. I'm not going to name the person, and, and the guy's an idiot. You know, mm-hmm. he's screwed up. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm, there's no excuse for his screw-up. Mm-hmm. But he went out, and he got himself drunk, and um, he... Uh, uh, he drove a car and uh, ran into somebody. Didn't kill him, but put him in the hospital for a while. And um, they set his bail. This was in another state, not here. They set his bail. Now, bail, which means that, you know, you should be able to come in to the jail, give money to the jailer. The, jail set, the jailer lets you out until trial, right? Yeah, that's the idea. Okay. They set his bail at $75,000. Okay, so because this person was a um, um, somebody I knew, let's just put it that way, Okay, uh, and that was somebody that was close to my family, we had to, including myself and some other folks, we had to get together and we had to take out a loan, right? Mm Mm-hmm. To pay the bail bondsman ten percent of that plus interest, seventy five hundred dollars plus interest. 
Because right? you're getting a loan from the bank. That's where the interest I'm, comes in. I'm getting a loan. Right. Actually, I got a loan from the bail bondsman. Oh. The bail bondsman knew we didn't have $7,500 in cash. Right. So the bail bondsman loaned us the 10%, but charged us interest. Right. Right? Okay. So, you know, the... the the knothead deserved to be in jail, right? He did, but that and that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is, according to the Eighth Amendment, excessive bail and excessive fines are not to be imposed. How is seventy-five thousand right. dollars not an excessive bail right. for a family that at the time was only making thirty thousand dollars a year? How is that not excessive? That is a clear violation of the United States Constitution, and yet it happens every single day. That's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this is a this is a big issue, a big problem that needs to be addressed. But what I'm saying is that it um, there there is reform on the way, and New Jersey's leading the country. After a year of bail reform, um, they find that. There, the, the fears that were presented in uh, when this legislation was yeah. originally being presented was that there, people weren't going to show up for the sentencing. Right, right, they right, were right. afraid that um, that this would lead to more uh, crime, etc. Right. Well, those two metrics are not applicable. Be, because, and after a year, that's it's you know it hasn't changed. Yeah, actually, there was some uh, there was a research paper uh-huh. um, that I mean it was some, it's amazing how much research has been done on this, and uh-huh. I found it just on one website. It was just. A huge amount of research paper, uh, research papers on pretrial incarceration. Yeah, and um, I think it was New Jersey that you now that you mention it, um, where they, uh, you know, they researched, they were observing or whatever, doing a study on uh, New Jersey's actions, and what they found was um, there was no change mm-hmm. in uh, crime, and there was no change in flight. Uh, for you know, f- fleeing before trial, without the bonding, without or without the bail, mm-hmm. without the excessive bail, no change, yeah, none whatsoever, right. And uh, so the only thing that I could see, you know, we were talking about this on you know Civilization 1.0, is follow the money, right. And the, these bail bondsmen are just making a killing. Yeah, they're somewhat uh, you might say parasites on the system. They are parasites and, on the um, system. You know how many? You know what percentage? Of people, I think, again, I think this is California, what percentage of people used a bail bondsman uh, when they were arrested? Hmm. 97%. Is that right? Yeah. 97% of people in California use a bail bondsman when they're arrested. So... You know. Here's the other thing. Like we, I think I mentioned this last time, but when somebody does skip bail, they know exactly where to go and get them because they're always going to go home to mom and dad or their right. family. They're going to go to family. But yeah. even if that weren't the case, even if the the uh, um, what's the famous bail, um, bounty hunter bounty hunter that he had his own TV show for a while. Oh, dog the bounty dog hunter. the bounty hunter. He yeah. knows exactly where to go get Joe uh, Billy Bob right. because Billy Bob's going to be at Mama's house. You know, right, right. And so they made a TV show about it. And then he got in trouble because he used the N word and what have you. Yeah. But yeah. um. Okay. Um, he didn't want his son dating a black woman. I think is what it was. Oh, you know. What, okay. a, what an idiot. <laughs> it's like okay. Oh, but uh, man. that's a whole another subject. They call him dog. All right, go ahead. But uh, this has been a disaster in New Jersey. The man that wrote the bill in New Jersey visited right. us and said, "Dog, I made a serious mistake. This is going to be a tragedy." Yeah, and so 
that raises the whole question of the disproportionate number of African Americans locked up and yeah. how this is a, most of it is the war on drugs and we can mm-hmm. go into that discussion. But yeah. before I get to that, I wanted to point out that the the even if the bill bondsman uh, has to go hunt you down and send um, the dog after you, mm-hmm. um, um, then. If that doesn't work, they're going to get you anyway. You know why? Because every computer system in this country is networked together. So if you get pulled over for a traffic violation... They're going to find you. ...in Vermont, and there's yeah. a ticket for you in Arkansas, guess what? Yeah. You're going to get thrown in the back of a kennel, and they're going to t- it's going to take you three days to get you back to Arkansas, but you're going to stand trial. Yeah. There's no way to get out of the system. No, no. The, you, look, the, uh, there's a, a close family member. No, that's just all I'm going to say. That um, had uh, some ticket he was paying off, which we can get into that too. How everything is about money and fines. Uh, he was paying off a ticket, and then he moved, and because of some things that he's involved in, stopped paying. Mm-hmm. Right. And he happened to be in a local town here. Again, I'm keeping this all on the down low. Uh, and there was some sort of an argument or something, and some person called the cops. Not on him. Not on him. Yeah. Right. Not on him. But on somebody else. Cops show up. Just getting names, mm-hmm. you know, just getting names, and um, lo and behold, guess what they found? Mm-hmm. There had been a warrant issued for his arrest mm-hmm. like five years ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And because he has no money, because he has no job, because he's disabled and he's not even drawing disability, um, guess what he got to do? He got to spend 48 days in jail uh, paying off that fine. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know? Yeah. So he had uh, a vacation. He, well, yeah, I guess he had a vacation. Yeah. Uh, for me, I never been in jail, so it doesn't sound like a vacation to me. But you know, whatever. Hey, you know, they change your, they do your laundry for you. Yeah, they yeah. give you free meals. You got a, yeah. you got three hots and a cot. I mean, yeah. you know, you might lose a few teeth in a in a fight, but <laughs> right, uh, that's a small price to pay for free rent. You know right? What I mean? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Shoot. Yeah. I didn't need it's those easy. teeth anyway. Easy money, baby. Easy money. Yeah. 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 You get dental care. So what are you complaining about? <laughs> right. I mean, are you going to get dental care on the outside? No. You, you uh, know, no. Go you're to jail. Be, you're going to be homeless on and, the street and man. get your teeth pulled out for free. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> or knocked out for free. Or knocked out. Yeah. Um, the quicker. Yeah, but see, the the problem is that you have a you have jail has become this place where you got a lot of homeless. There's a lot of indigent. People, there's homeless folks, and, and mentally, also mentally ill people. People who have mental yeah. issues. Um, you know, yep. I can't count the number of uh, people I met in jail who were schizophrenic. Yes. Yep. And it's like you know something's really wrong with our society when there there's nowhere that these people they're falling through the cracks. There's nothing. I mean, you know, you want to talk about recidivism, people going back to jail. I mean, there's, there's a problem a, right there's there. There's a book. Uh, you know, you're the one that's always mentioning books. I'm going to mention yeah. a book. Okay. I cannot remember the name of the author. Um, he wrote this book. Uh, it's been it's about ten years old, and uh, he wrote this book because his son um, was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh-huh. Okay, and and in usu- usually with with schizophrenia, um, someone may be a little odd or something, but they usually don't have a psychotic break until they're in their late teens or early 20s, and his son had a psychotic break. He had no idea, and um, the young man wound up in jail, uh-huh. right? He didn't wind up in a mental hospital. He well, that's what up, happens. He wound up in jail. That's what happens. So the name of the book is called Crazy, uh-huh. and uh, it was written by a fellow that happened, he's a reporter, I believe, and he wanted to, like, uh, 
you know, uh, journal his experience, and it was in Miami-Dade County, in in Miami, and um, so he, when his son spent several, you know, weeks in jail because he was mentally ill, um, you know, the father went in and really investigated this. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me give you an, now again. This is a little bit my area of expertise, and my statistics may be off just a little bit. But uh, I don't know how many people live in Arkansas. Three, four million people. I, I couldn't tell you offhand. Okay, I think it's like four or five million, whatever. Do you know how many beds are available in the Arkansas State Mental Hospital? Uh, they're all full, I would guess. But how many beds are you know how many beds they have? When you say available, that means empty I, beds. I mean not available, but how many beds they have? Oh, I don't know. Thirty. 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 In the state of Arkansas. In the entire state of Arkansas. Wow. For the state mental hospital. 30. Yeah, that's 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 horrible. Yeah, and usually what happens is is that those those mental hospitals, that mental hospital is not a place where people get treated. It's a place where the judge sends someone for an evaluation of their mental faculties before they stand trial. And what happens is, is they go to the mental hospital, they pump them full of medication, and they kind of get their faculties back because they're on Haldol and Haloperidol and all that kind of stuff. And they come back and they stand trial, and then they go back to jail, and then they stop getting their medication they go back to being crazy. And they're not getting treated. They're not getting anything. They, they're they simply in a cold jail cell. You know more about that, I guess. But but they're in a jail cell where they're not getting treated. And yeah, they're sleeping on the floor. They're it, sleeping on the floor. Yeah, Sometimes because these naked. jails are over full. And yeah. so, you know, it's the it's the mentally ill guys that always sleep on the floor. Right, yeah. And, you know, there's here in Washington County, I mean, you know, you're, they, they don't want you sleeping on the floor because it's a violation and they get in trouble for that. So they, once in a while, about every month or so, they'll come through and they'll give, if you're sleeping on the floor, they'll warn you once. And if you don't get off the floor and get a cot, then you're going to be sent to the hole. Right. Okay. So how do you get off the floor when all the beds are full? Right. It makes no sense at all. And right. like the only the only bed that is available is the one that's right over the showers. Do you see other naked men taking? Yeah. Who wants that one? Right. Exactly. I mean, so uh, it's it's ridiculous. So then you have uh, you get sent to the hole, and then you're uh, you know that's not where you want to be. And if you're schizophrenic, but, you sure don't want to be in there. Although if you're me, I, I like the hole. I was in the hole for like four months, and, and they wanted to move me out of there, and I'm like, no, I'm not moving. Because I, I like it here, you know. Um, and nobody bother you, I guess. Oh, yeah. I had less problems in the hole. Yeah. I mean, the guys I was around were, like, crazy. I mean, when I say crazy, I mean, they were more anti-authority than I was. Oh, wow. And they were constantly setting off sprinklers and doing, getting to fights with the with the police, like, right. wrestling with them on the floor. and stuff. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. It was crazy, you know. Wow. wow. But um, the thing is that their enemy was the cops and not me. Yeah, and that was so that, that was nice. worked in my favor. Yeah, now, right. when I was in the general population, then you never know who's going to pick you to be the, right. the enemy, and so right, there's, there's right. constant mm. problems there. So mm. as long as you could establish yourself as being not, not an easy pickings, and you go in the hole, and they, they have certain respect for you, as long as as long as you don't have a, an issue, okay? Right. Like um, one of the strange things that I learned in the in the jail was there's like the subculture. Uh, a lot of these guys are affiliated with the Aryan brotherhood and what yeah. have you. Yeah. And one of the, th- they have certain pods that they put people in when they first get to jail. And so the, these guys dominate this pod because it's all the new fish come in there. Yeah. And what they do is they get into fights. It's like a, it's like a, a gladiator club. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, there's, when you walk in immediately you feel evil in the room. 
Right. It's just like this, uh, people are just like, you know, they're looking to start a fight with somebody and, you know, it's all, it's just animalistic rage. That's, you know, people you know, stripping their shirts off and, you know, right. puffing up their chest and wanting right. to fight you for God knows why. Right. They don't even know why. Yeah. And it's all just this, um, ridiculous behavior. Um, and, uh, think about some poor, you know, 18 year old kid that got caught with a bong in his, in his car seat. Oh yeah. I've seen it. You know, that crying that, his eyes out. Yeah. Because he crying his eyes out. Cause he's in, and, and he hasn't even been charged or even yeah. had a trial or nothing. Right. And his, his family is just falling to pieces, trying to gather up money, not to pay the bail, but just to pay the bondsman. Right. And, uh, wow. Crazy. Yeah, I've I've seen kids like that, you know, and they get on the phone to the dad, and they they they, they learn their lesson. Dad bails them out, and they, they don't want to ever come back to jail. Well, I imagine. And so, um, if they well, yeah, yeah. But what about the ones who can't who get can't it? afford it? Now what they're now they become uh, they have to sink or swim, mm-hmm. and in that environment, that could change a person. They they either become victimized or they become the victimizer. Right. And so that's not a healthy place to be. No, of course not. No. So, and, you know, there's this presumption of innocent until proven guilty, but with the bail system as it is, um, that doesn't seem to make, doesn't, right? it's like a contradiction. If you don't have the money to make the bail, you're, you're, you know, I've seen people that, um, you know, they're, they're in jail and then they finally get to go to trial Mm -hmm. and they get released for time served. Yep. You know, I mean. There's no trial, they just get. Yeah, the, the yeah. judge dismisses it. And it's, yeah. There's no jury trial. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, time served, and then what happens if, you know, time served plus, what, three months? Well, then, they, know? I mean, then they put you on probation. And now the, the yeah. problem with probation is that uh, people who are put on probation have a high rate of being returned. And the reason for that is because and the, the number one reason why people go back is technical violations. Yeah. And technical violations could mean they absconded by leaving the state, or they didn't pay their fees and fines, fees, or fines, they didn't get yeah. a job, or they, yeah. there's a point system. If they didn't, uh, if they get too many points, then they get violated on a technicality, right. and then they go back to prison. And so this is the number one reason why people go back to prison is because mm. of some technical violation, not wow. because they committed another crime, not because right. there's a sentence. Uh, they weren't sentenced for another issue. It wasn't because they committed another felony. It was because, because of a technical, technical violation. Technical violation of their parole. Yes. Uh, parole or probation. Or probation. Probation's even worse. There's a little, from from what I know, uh, it's better to be on parole than on prob- probation. Huh. So it's easier to get violated on probation than on yeah. parole. It seems that they're a little more lenient or whatever. But... Um, well, the, the person I was telling you about that, you know, got in the car accident. Yeah. Um, he's been, I know he hasn't committed any crimes, but he's been back in jail at least three times. Mm-hmm. He's on probation. Yep. Technical violation. Technical violation. Every or time. didn't pay his fine. So it's once again, simple. we're identifying a super big problem. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the statistics on this, let me just yeah. see if I can find it. Okay. Every year, over 600,000 people enter the prison gates. Good grief. But let's look at the number of people who go to jail every mm-hmm. year. That number is 10.6 million. Yeah. Wow. Okay, and this is called jail, jail churn. churn. Okay, yeah. and is uh, it's particularly high because most people in jails have not been convicted. They've not been convicted of okay. a crime. So uh, some have been arrested, <laughs> and they they don't they, they might make the bail within a few hours or a few days. Mm-hmm. But the people who don't have resources, of course, they're mm-hmm. the poor, the indigent, the homeless, the mentally right. ill, the, yeah. the, the the are victims of society in one fashion or another. They can't make the bail. 
And so, of course, they're going to remain behind bars until their trial. And in states like Arkansas, there is not going to be a trial. That's not going to happen. I mean, they might stand in front of a judge, but not a jury. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah. so the... The only reason they go in front of the judge is to either to accept a, a, bar, a plea bargain or not. Uh-huh. And if you don't accept it, then you go back to jail. Right. And so, and so a lot of times they bring you in front of the judge and you, you're expecting a plea bargain. Then it doesn't happen and it gets postponed. You go back to jail. Then they, they, they put you in shackles and they bring you in front of the judge. And then your public defender will say, oh, we're not doing anything today. We'll bring you back next month. Oh, and this right. goes on and on. Y'all can't because they see want me, to but keep I'm just you... shaking my head right now. The it's whole ridiculous. system is designed... They're making 120 bucks a day off you, so, I mean, mm. I, I don't know what the statistics are. I think that in Philadelphia, it's 120 um cost the, the state $120 a day. So I don't know if this, this money is matched from the this federal government, or it depends on the, what your charges are, I mean, I'm sure. But the mm. point is that uh, there needs to be bail reform, and New Jersey's leading the way. They've been doing it for a year, and the system that they've the new system is working. California has just passed a law. Uh, well, good. And they're going to get rid of the whole bail system. So, they need to, you know, It's yeah. innocent until proven guilty, and like you've read from the Constitution, yeah. this... This is cruel and inhumane punishment when certain elements of society... It's a clear violation of, it of the Eighth Amendment. Right. And we're, it's not supposed to be excessive bail or excessive fines. Exactly. And, I you mean, know, you, when you're finding somebody $75,000... You haven't been convicted of a crime. <laughs> you but, haven't you know, been convicted of a and crime. And we're talking right. about six out of ten people who are in jail right now have mm-hmm. not been convicted of a crime, My but they cannot, they cannot post bail. Wow. And, you know, it's, the thing about bail... I was reading about this. Um, you know, technically, here's the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to, um, you know, somebody sets a bail, say, for, let's say, 500 bucks. Let's get realistic, or let's say what it ought to be. So, <clears throat> you, you, they set a bail for $500. You go in, you pay the jail 500 bucks, or you have a family member come in, pay the jail 500 bucks, you get bailed out, you go to trial a few weeks later, or a few years, years later, or whatever, and then you get your 500 bucks back. That's the way it's supposed to work. Even if you go to jail, the bail, you, the person who put up the bail is supposed to get it back. But you know what? With the bail bondsman, mm-hmm. you don't get anything back. Well, that's because they have excessively high bails, and so you have to use a bail bondsman. So they've created an industry, um, you know, like I said, they're kind of like a parasite in the system. So it's like a lot of the bail bondsman guys, I don't have anything against them. I think that, you know, those are my kind of people. I could see myself being a bail bondsman. So when I call them a parasite, I realize that I would be a parasite by, <laughs> by providing that service. And you think that, you know, that's a service that's needed in our society and that I could be a good bail bondsman because I can relate to people. I know who the customers are, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and I'm helping needed. them out. I'm yeah. getting them out of jail. So you can look at it as a, a good thing. But we're talking about Civilization 1.0 versus Civilization. Right. It's, 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 we're not talking needed because the system is broken. That's right. So yeah. we're not assigning blame here no, no, to no. the bail bondsmen no, no, no. that are that are providing the service. And you know, they're a lot of these guys are former um, uh, law enforcement, and they've been on yeah. both sides of the law. You know, yeah. and so some of these guys have probably been uh, behind bars themselves. So they they know the workings of the jail system, and they, there's a need for their service. But that's uh, it, there seems to be a trend moving forward to to, to dismantle this whole. Um, bail system. Right. And so New Jersey's leading the way. California is now on board. We're going to start to see other states. I think Arkansas would benefit from it. I mean, sure. the fact is, according to the uh, U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics, 95% of the jail population growth in the year 2000 was because of an increase in inmates held in lieu of bail. 
Golly. Okay, you want to talk about overcrowding in the jails? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. what's the problem? Well, this, there's your problem. Right. This person that um, that I mentioned that, you know, did the 48 days in jail. Yeah. There was 36 people in his quad pod or whatever yeah. it was. 36 people all jammed in there. Yeah, and probably 30 beds. So six guys yeah. were on the floor. Right. Yeah. 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 And um, so, I, yeah, I know that where I slept on the floor many times. Uh, mm. It was a nice vacation. Um, <laughs> if you say so, brother. It was, man. I got to meet a lot of people. I had a fun. I had, I, you know. Well, I've, I've got two uh, two siblings that have been in jail multiple times, and my goal is to uh, not follow in the family footsteps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the thing, you know, I was kind of doing it as a social experiment. I was kind of like a scientist. My, my philosophy in life is to try to have as many experiences as I can sure, yeah, so that I can understand you know, why our society is the way it is so that mm-hmm. I can be a part of fixing the problem. And I can't fix this problem if I have no firsthand knowledge. You yeah. know, I needed to have uh, a prison experience. And so I made sure that um, my, what the, my violation was such that they would be you know, no alternative but to send me to prison. And you know what they did? They gave me probation. Uh, and gummit. <laughs> I mean, fuck, you know, what do I have to do? I mean, I, I robbed a fucking bank, guys. Right, did they give you probation for that? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. But then I immediately um, absconded, um, so oh. gave them a reason to send me there to you prison. Go. So, so then you get to I go. got what yeah. I wanted yeah. in the end. But, yeah. you know, when I was in New Jersey, um, I was experiencing what it was like to be homeless. Mm. And um, I got pretty sick of being homeless. That's a lot worse than being in jail. Yes, I yes, was. Uh, I was driving around uh, with my wife, and we were in the car together for 24 hours a day, mm. uh, and it got to be ugly. Okay, sure. We're sleeping in a tent while it's raining, trying to find places to, to hide, and you know, I mean, we're breaking into houses, doing all kinds of stuff to just wow. survive. Yeah, and. Um, uh, you know, finally, it got to be too much, and I didn't. We we didn't have money. I couldn't put gas in the car, so right. I'm like, you know what? It's I'm done. Um, so sure. I so I uh, picked a fight with a cop to go to jail, and uh, then this stupid bail reform in New Jersey kicked me back on the street. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I was sitting there being interrogated by the cops, and they're like, what do you you know? Why did you uh, run from the police? And I said, well, I wanted to go to jail. And they said, what? And I said, I wanted to go to jail. <laughs> I said that I'm tired of being homeless and sleeping yeah. in my car. I want to go to jail. I want to get a good night's sleep. I want to get a meal. I'm tired of it. I'm just sick of being homeless. And I wanted to go to jail. And I said I thought the best way to go to jail is run from the police. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with it firsthand, but I certainly have a couple of siblings that are very familiar with what it's like to be homeless. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that um, that would be a really good podcast for us to talk about. Oh, yeah. The, the number of homeless people in northwest Arkansas is staggering. It, people it, don't know. They're, oh. they're living in the woods, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> out people of sight, out of mind. And what I deal with in my practice is, um, um, I think the kids are still calling it this, but when I first started, they called it couch surfing. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, uh, you know you're. There's you're, a drug culture that goes along with this too. Yeah, yeah, you're you're thrown out of your parents' house, and uh, they won't take you back, and so you stay with a, a friend until uh, their parents get sick of you, and then you find another friend, and you just you just kind of couch surf, and mm-hmm. you know, you know if you're if you're doing hard drugs like meth or something, then you just hang out with a bunch of meth heads. And uh, they Those all become your best surf. friends, and yeah. that becomes your lifestyle. And yeah. the problem and, is, and it's, you end up in jail. But when you get out, you're right back to it because that's who else do you have to resource? Do you have to go to? Exactly. Yeah, they're waiting in line when you get out of jail, man. They're they're just 
So um, I deal with, you know, again, this is something that, that I deal with on a regular basis um, with um, either kids or parents that are pretty hardcore strung out. And the kids I see are just beginning to do it, and um, they have parents that are already doing it. Um, so anyway, the, there is a lot of homelessness, and it doesn't always take the form of the bag lady pushing a shopping cart down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes the form of uh, families in uh, Salvation Army. Uh, it takes the form of kids who have been thrown out of the house couch surfing. Um, it takes the form of people, uh, I wouldn't call it homeless, but people living in, in housing that's so substandard that really it shouldn't even be a place where you keep your pets. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a mental illness going on. There's, uh, there's in those situations. Illness, there's drug there's abuse. drug addiction and abuse going on in those situations. Yeah. And they and, usually go hand in hand, actually. And when we're talking about mass incarceration, I mean, um, it, it really is a vacation to go to jail yeah. and get away from that. But yeah. when you get out, you're, you're right back to it. And because that's all you, that's, that's all you know. know. And there's nothing to yeah. help you get out of it. Right. So this is uh, this is an area where reform needs to happen, yeah. and so you know one of the things that occurs to me is that you know people return to the familiar, mm-hmm. and uh, so it seems to me that the, when you lock somebody up, you're you're denying them the liberty of engaging in whatever habits and behaviors that they were engaging in prior to that, you know, uh-huh. uh, for the most part. Of course, right. there is drugs available in jail. Let's not kid ourselves about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah. point is that um, there's this psychologically, you know, the effect of you being locked up is that you feel like you're not free to do the things you want to do. And mm-hmm. that may or may not be true. But it's all about what you tell yourself. But the point is, when they open the door and let you out and you're back in the free world, so-called, I just consider this so-called free world. I consider it an open-air prison, but okay, that's, <laughs> that's just me. Oh, rock um, and roll. All right, go ahead. You know, man. subversive <laughs> anarchist that I am. Yeah, that's right. Um, so... That's why I don't care about jail, because to me, it's like society is a jail as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, Molotov cocktail, Molotov cocktail. The point, the point I'm making is that people return to the familiar. And so if you're going to try and solve this problem that you're identifying, mm. it seems to me there needs to be a, a step a step before you enter society. There needs to be well, a halfway house. Well, halfway houses, uh-huh. but... Um... You know, I don't know. I, I don't, frankly, I don't know enough about the halfway house uh, well, program. Well, let me just say this. Um, yeah. In northwest Arkansas, which is very wealthy, uh, we mm-hmm. didn't have any facility like that until recently. Huh. And it, it was a shame. But at least yeah. some, some reformers, some uh, some people who got together and they pulled the resources and they made it happen. And so now there's a, a, a halfway house, if you want to call it that, in northwest Arkansas now. Um, okay. It's, it's called the uh, uh, Returning Home Center. And um, the gentleman who runs that is a prior offender. He's a uh, himself, okay. yeah. and but he he got himself straight, and he and he got motivated, and he's he's very driven mm. to uh, to create a healthy environment for people mm-hmm. and and address these problems that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. And he he's got a lot of support from some other uh, uh, community leaders, and and so there there is a, a positive thing happening, and there's a lot of people who are putting money and resources. In fact, it occurred to me this week that I should go up and interview him for this podcast, and I may still do that like a part two of sure. this, you know, because I'd like to get I'd like him to tell his story and. To talk yeah. about what's what they're doing but yeah. um if if they did nothing else 
then give people a place to integrate slowly back into society, then I think that's well worth it. Yeah. Because the problem is the shock that happens from being locked up to walking yeah. out into the free world where you can do anything and you go crazy. You go, it's, that, it's overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you immediately want to engage in, in every taboo and evil and that, that you're told right. not to do. Right. You, you yeah. can't do this. You can't do that. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a sinful nature in man, uh-huh. and you know if you want to, if you believe in the Christian tradition and the, mm-hmm. the idea that there's that man is a, in a fallen state and, and that we're that we're, there's sin, uh, simple desires that reside within the human being within the heart of man, and so when you let, let him out of jail, that's the part that wants to just right. uh, manifest itself and, and well, thrive. when you're told that you cannot yeah. do something, the only thing it does is producing you the desire to do it. Right. So that's psychological. Whether you want yeah. to bring the whole question of God and sin into the is another issue, but mm-hmm. the. Uh, in my experience in life, there's no denying that human beings have a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. And so that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, but regardless of whether you share that opinion, you've identified the psychological thing. Yeah. And, and also the returning to the familiar. So if you right. if you have the friends that are your couch surfing and they're doing drugs, then you're going to be doing drugs. Absolutely. And so once again, if you can just integrate somebody's transition back into society from prison or jail to be able to have a place where they can, uh, that's safe and and structured and that they can have greater liberty, they can put on street clothes, they can work a job, Mm -hmm. they're they're slowly being brought back into society. Right. And by, uh, that's not going to solve the problems of the sinful nature, but what it is going to do is allow someone to uh, integrate their own emotional and psychological self into the society and, and instead of just right. being thrown out into the street. And, yep. you know, it's like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and I think I agree with you. Uh, I think the same thing could be said for any kind of mental institutions or um, drug rehab facilities. If, you're uh, gonna, if anybody's going to make changes in their life, it's going to be a lot easier if they have a halfway house to go to in the process of uh, when they've gone from being incarcerated back into free society, mm-hmm. if they have a transitionary period, it might even just be three weeks or whatever. Well, the, the whole idea is, um, is a support system. That's, That's right. The whole idea, and when you you when need you to make get, new friends. Yeah. Oh boy. Let me tell you. You, gotta, you know, I've, I've got a. That's a, like number one. Yeah. If you want to get away from the drug culture, you gotta you know stop associating the, with the people who are doing the drugs. How are you gonna do that? Right. There's 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 three things that uh, uh, that you have to have whenever you're trying to change your drug habit. You need a, a you need new playmates. You need a new play pen, and you need new play toys. And see, that's where the halfway that's, house can be a big help. Yeah. Because yeah. just throwing somebody out of prison right back on the street, is, oh, yeah. they're going to return to the familiar. Kind of reminds me of the opening scene of the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah? Don't, have you I seen that recall. movie? I, I don't recall. When, when uh, um, Elwood, no, it's Jake. When Jake oh. comes out of prison, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and Elwood's sitting there uh, uh-huh. waiting to see him, you know, and uh, he just got out of prison. And if you're familiar with the movie, um, you know, he gives him a hug, and uh, they sit down, and I think they say... Uh, uh, well, I got a third of a pack of cigarettes, an eighth of a tank of gas, and 32 cents, and it's 300 miles to Chicago. Let's roll. You know? <laughs> it's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, 
Half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Jake gets gets out of prison, and uh, you know it all goes downhill from there. You know, and he returned to the familiar. You know, he came yep. back to his brother. They're driving around the old police car. You know, and uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. Um, I mean, all the things that they they try to do to reform somebody uh, in in prison are completely ineffective because the mentality in in there is like I'm I you know I'm just going to. Uh, I'm just going to shine these people on until yeah. you know until I get out of here. Right. And so, when you do get out, and if you're in a halfway house, then you can actually tell yourself, "Hey, this is for me now." You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm doing this for me, and right. not everyone's going to do that. Some people are going to continue to have the mentality of, "I'll do what I want to do." Yeah. But those people, and and those people are on a fast track to to getting thrown back in prison and going back to jail. And there's right. a high rate of, and that's not going to change. There's yeah. always going to be that element. But the question is, what is society doing? Uh, are we doing the best we can uh, to yeah. facilitate an alternative? Right. And so the, and when we when you have a population like Northwest Arkansas without any halfway house at all, that's that tells you there's a problem. But mm-hmm. fortunately, the private. Um, industry came uh, came together and solved that problem um, and are working on it. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, there's no private prisons in Arkansas. It's all ADC, um, Arkansas uh-huh. Department of Corrections. Corrections yeah. And so, you know, I can speak to some of the issues here. The big one is the pretrial detention. People being yeah. locked up for uh, extended periods of time, you know, like nine months, never yeah. going to, never having a jury trial. And being locked up if you don't pay your fines. Pleading, you know, and then, doing a plea deal to get out of jail because you want to be with your family to maybe some crime you didn't even commit. Right, um, yeah. I've yeah. seen a lot of homeless people uh, that were exploited on the outside. Like, there's this one guy who was homeless, and these, these people would drive up to him, and they, they would pull down and roll in the window and say, hey, dude, come here. And they're like, hey, we want you to go cash this check at the bank and then we're going to pay you and so he would go cash the check now he's in jail for writing hot checks and the yeah. guy who put him up to it is driving around getting somebody else to do right it. wow you know what i mean this wow. is the kind of i mean you know this is what's going on in our yeah. society yep and uh then you you know i mean i could just go on for hours talking mm. about all of this stuff that i witnessed well I, th- I think that we we definitely need to be talking about homelessness i think that's something yeah. that uh, that uh, uh would be a good subject of a podcast so. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because um, I don't know. This is politically incorrect to say this, but uh, there's a lot. Since of, when does that stop? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are homeless because they choose to be, and because they like the freedom that. They, there are some that are that way. I was one of them. But um, I experienced it. I just wanted to experience it, and because I was sick of being controlled by society, I'm like, "Fuck this! I'll just go be homeless." Yeah, yeah. And it, no, but it got old a little bit oh, after yeah. a while. You don't it? want to drag your wife around and, mm. do, and live in a tent when it's raining uh, and do that uh, month after month because you know it's going to get to be too much. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and then at some point you're going to be like, uh, "I want to go to jail." And jail looks like a vacation. That it, it was, dude. Yeah. I was being locked up for two years was a vacation. Okay, mm. from the the. The distress that I was under every day, being homeless out there, and oh, trying, yeah. you know, living in a car. Trying, yeah. No, mm. no, man, I, I just, I was like at peace in jail. Thank you very much. Yeah. But the, <clears throat> but in New Jersey with the bail reform, 
I told these cops, yeah. I said, so they said, you know, why'd you run? I said, because I want to go to jail. And they're like, yeah. they're like, have you ever heard of bail reform? I said, no, what's that? And they said, what that means is you're going to go to jail. You're going to spend a night in jail. They're going to kick you right back on the street. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> I was like, I said, hey, I, said, I, I, I got a, arrested for nothing. I have a question for you. So jail sounded like a vacation. <clears throat> was there any other places that you could go? Oh, I'm not looking for any other places. Oh, <clears throat> Why? Um, was it because they were like there might have Salvation been, Army or yeah, something? There might have been. There might have was... been. There might have been twenty such places available to me, but I didn't know or care. Huh? And interesting. Because I was in a state of chaos. Gotcha. And, you know, I'm not. Um, um, I'm fighting with my wife every day. Right. Um, it's just a, a vicious thing going on, and it's like, okay, I get, I, I'm trying to make this relationship work, and it got to where it wasn't working to s- such an extreme and level so... that it's like, you know, I, it was like, I just want to separate from her right now. Right. And the best way to do that is go to jail. Is jail. So the loss of your freedom actually provided some perverted sense of stability Absolutely. in your life. As soon as they put the cuffs on me, I felt peace. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm, I'm the first few days I'm in euphoric being locked up because I'm like, I'm finally I'm getting sleep. I'm happy. Yeah. I don't have to deal with the stress of fighting with my wife all the time. Yeah, it was a real alternative. So I'm not mm-hmm. looking to go get social services to try to make our relationship work because I know it's not going to work. Right. And I'm just trying to figure out how, you know, how we can get past this constant fighting. And, there, and finally, I got to the point where there is no getting past this constant fighting. And, you know, I can't I'm married to this person. I can't you know, kick her to the curb. What do I do? Right. And so subconsciously, uh, is I was driven to, to, to act out in such a way that eventually I'd get locked up. That would get you locked up. Yeah. And, and it wasn't a away. conscious decision really on my part, but I started acting out in ways that were, um, that would get me locked up. Yeah. And so that's because that was, I hadn't, you know, it was either that or keeping the relationship that was, that was destroying my mental health. Right. And I'm like, I couldn't take it anymore. I was right. at the breaking point. Right. And uh, so it's like, you know, I just robbed a bank and I waited for the cops to show up and, uh, you know, surrendered myself to the authorities and uh, went to jail and thought I would get a nice two-year vacation in prison. And it turned out I did. But um, but you had to, you I, had to work I, for it. I had to you? violate my probation to get it because uh, they just gave me probation. But in order to get that probation, I had to be locked up for six months. Hmm. I was locked up for six months before I got the plea deal that gave me the probation. So then, you were locked up for six months yeah. before you even went before a judge. That's right. They would wow. they would they would shackle me, handcuff me, give me a shave, and then take me in front of the judge. Uh-huh. And then they would be like, um, "Oh, we're going to postpone." And then I'd go back to jail. And then we'd do it again next month. Go in front of the judge, get all shackled, get in a vehicle, drive down to the courthouse, go through this whole bullshit. And then I'm and then do I stand in front of the judge? No. My public defender's like, "Oh, we're going to postpone because blah blah." blah. Okay, so, so you imagine what it'd be like for someone who didn't want to be in jail. Who had a, a family on the outside, yeah. or had kids, or oh, a it's, job? Oh, it's, it's it's insane. Imagine it's what terrible. that would be. Oh my god! Oh yeah, and they're talking to them on the. Yeah, it's it, it can be a real yeah, absolutely very traumatic uh, experience. It's people hate it. Yeah, know, of course. Yeah, and then yeah. and but the thing is, they're saying, well, you shouldn't have committed a crime, and blah blah blah. Well, how do you know they committed the freaking crime? There hasn't been a damn trial. A lot of these guys are on technical violations, man. <sighs> And you know, it's like you know, there being there is no trial. There's just plea bargains, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, you're locked up. You can't bail out, and it's like you know, I mean, you've got guys that are out of control that are committing violent uh, yeah. acts that are that are robbing places. Those guys but, should be in jail. And you know, some of these guys they get out and they commit the same act and go right back to jail. Right. And you have to ask yourself why. Do they right. like being locked up? And it, Maybe. I, I, it subconsciously they know that they need to be. 
Yeah. And they, there's nowhere else for them in the society. Right. And, you know, they have family problems. They have whatever. Right. And jail um, is familiar. Yes. Jail is structured. You know what to expect in jail. Yes. And Nobody's so, going to take away your job. You're not going to wind up homeless in right. jail. You always got food. You always yep. got a place to sleep. You may have to fight your way for it. It's you what you're familiar to, with. It's what you're familiar so with. So you go back to what's familiar. Right. And right. And it, like you said, the structure is uh, keeps them out of chaos. And yeah. they can't function without the structure. And I don't, so I, that's a just, problem. It just seems to me that, um, and I know from, you know, from back in the 50s and the 60s and one flew over the cuckoo's nest and all that kind of stuff, that, you know, uh, mental hospitals are supposed to be bad. I think that's bullshit, really. Um, it... it, it it just seems to me that there was something as an alternative to jail that provided the same amount of structure mm-hmm. and maybe even took away the same amount of freedom, mm-hmm. but was less. Um, well, they used to have uh, what they called. They used to have a boot camp, and that was primarily for people who were drug offenders. Yeah. And they don't even have that anymore for some mm. reason. And mm. so I don't know how effective it was. or I don't think it was very effective, actually. Well, how, it's difficult to be effective with the whole drug thing, man. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know. The thing about, and I'm certified in drug and alcohol counseling. Yeah. Okay. The American way of drug treatment is when somebody gets caught doing a hard drug, what we do is we beat it out of them. We, we punish <laughs> them and we scare them and shame we, them. we shame them and we send them to boot camp and tell them they're a low-life piece of crap and uh, we're going to shave their head and treat them like an animal for six months and, and then whenever they get out, well, then they're going to feel so good about themselves they're not going to go back to doing dope again, right? Well, now, I'm being sarcastic here, mm-hmm. uh, but instead of treating people who are involved in an addiction, and it is an addiction of the will, right? But instead of giving them an opportunity to, and I, I, I do this every day, man. This is this is not all of what I do, but I, I experience this every day. Uh-huh. I, instead of like um, telling someone that they're weak-willed and some sort of a perverted deviant for for doing this. Um, why can't we just recognize that the only reason they're 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 doing this stuff is they're they're covering something else up? Well, it's I mean the reason. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have yeah. more experience with this, but my take on this uh, is that um, people are in pain. They are in pain. There's psychological pain, and they have I don't know. It, well, alcohol dulls the pain. Yeah, and so does a lot of other things. At the same time, though, of course, we all know that over a course of time, it increases the pain. But by that time, you're too blind to see it, right? Well, it becomes, it, it facilitates more dysfunctional behavior. Right. And, yes. And it so becomes what, in my business, they call a coping skill, right? Right. So the, the thing, what I've noticed in, in my personal experience in working with kids and adults that have experience with, uh, with drugs is you usually have the hardcore drug addict is usually using um, drugs or alcohol to cover up some past trauma. Right. Uh, something, you know, if they're high, they don't have to worry about memories of whatever happened to them popping up in their head. Um, if they're suffering from depression because they've grown up in poverty mm-hmm. and in despair and their parents are alcoholics as well or drug addicts as well, then at least temporarily... 
they can feel good. Yeah, and it's again, it's a coping strategy. It's a coping skill, and yeah. a lot of people, it's a learned behavior. Sometimes they have people who are uh, role models, and I say role models loosely. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not somebody you look to as a hero, but it's no. somebody who's an authority, like your father, and right. he he punches holes in the wall and it gets pissed off. Mm-hmm. So guess what you do? You do the same thing because here's the thing: um, you learn a you, your mind is. We'll feel like I'm in therapy now. Sorry, but but your mind is blueprinted. Before the age of seven, with how males and females as adults should act. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have witnessed trauma, if you've witnessed um, poor behavior uh, on the part of your parents or your caretakers, then even if you know that it's wrong when you get older, there's always going to be in your subconscious this habit energy. This habit energy, as you call it. Um, this schema is what we would call it. Uh, this schema of blueprinting on this, the brain, right? Of how you're supposed to behave yep. in certain situations. Yeah, a perfect example of what you're discussing is like when when somebody gets married, um, they don't realize that they have these implants, imprints or engrams in their brain right. that, that a wife is supposed to behave this way and a husband's supposed to yep. behave this way. You could be dating for years mm-hmm. and not be legally married, but as soon as you uh, put that as as ring put on her finger, title. and as soon as, as you, you put that, that title, title, it becomes officially a marriage. Yes. Now all of a sudden, you know, you, you, your wife is supposed to act differently, you know, right. and and she thinks you're supposed to act differently, and right. now you're in, getting fights about stuff you never fought over before, mm-hmm. and you're both like, "What the hell is going on right. here? Right. How come we were getting along before and we're not getting along now?" Right. And the answer to that question is because. It's subconscious. It's subconscious, and it's been imprinted in your brain as a little child. That's right. So these things are deeply ingrained. It's mm-hmm. what I, I call habit energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, if you want to call it sinful nature, you can. But I just I think, call it a schema. Yeah. Uh, 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 I just call a, it fucked up. Right. It's fucked uh, up, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of... <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, you're my new client, and the only thing, let's see, I have to do a I've diagnostic you here as a And according to the DSM-5, <laughs> you are diagnosed with um, Severe. major fucked up disorder. <laughs> That's what it is. Yep. I mean, but isn't, it, isn't that the human condition? You know, the human condition is we're all dysfunctional and suffering at some level of of fucked-upness. Now, as you said, if you're exposed to certain behaviors by authority figures at a young age, you get this imprinted on your brain, you're going to have more of a challenge because your habit energy is going to be imprinted that way and you're gonna and if you're dealing with trauma it's another issue there but and that's why poverty is generational yeah because when you grow up poor you learn a particular set of behaviors right to um you know to help you survive spend your money as soon as you get it for example right and then when you have kids well the only thing you know is what you learned from their parents Mm -hmm. and guess what even if you try to teach your kids something different Mm -hmm. you're still behaving in a certain way those kids pick up on that i have two kids man and i tell you what kills me the most sometimes is i hear something coming out of one of my and my my kids yeah. are grown. Yeah. Uh, something coming out of their mouth that I cannot stand about myself, and right. I hear it coming out of them. I'm like, oh my god, did they not learn anything good from me? You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, jeez, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. But well, it, it, yeah. we started this podcast by saying that uh, that you know, if you be the change you want to see in the world, and 
you know, Michael Jackson's famous song was on the man in the mirror, you know, check the man in the mirror. I don't know what the lyrics are. I couldn't begin to sing it. And I won't, I won't try. No, no. But, I'm not uh, a Michael Jackson fan myself, but. Okay. Well, it's the man in the mirror. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing is that, um, we, we're in this YouTube generation now. If you want to learn how to, uh, rebuild a carburetor, you know, you can go yeah, watch YouTube a YouTube it. video. Mm-hmm. All right. So people are, you talked about doubling time and how, uh, yeah. We're accelerating at such a fast pace. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no longer an excuse to say that I that this habit energy controls my life and I am a drug addict because mom and dad were or whatever. I mean, you know, go join a 12-step program for six months and get the hell over it, okay? Yeah, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I work with drug addicts, and let me tell you something. Watch a the, YouTube video, grow up, become an adult. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, first, the first thing... Stop let, whining. Let, come on. It, it, just... Let me, let me share this. Okay. The first thing that most addicts do is they're going to blame everybody else but themselves. And if if you're one of the three people out here listening, I'm going to I'm going to give you the three C's, and I, and I tell this to every one of my clients that has uh, that has a relationship with someone who is an addict or an alcoholic. Okay. So when you have someone who's an addict, or if you're an addict, I'm with you, Mark. Here's the thing: if you're an addict, dude, the only person that's responsible is you. Right? Nobody, unless somebody held you down and physically forced those pills or that needle into your arm or poured alcohol down your throat, you're the one that chose to make that first drink, to take that first drink, to take that first pill, to, sh- to, to shoot that whatever. Here's the thing. It's time for you to take some responsibility. I know you're in pain. I know you're trying to avoid... Well, I'm preaching now, sorry. Look, it's a lot of unconscious behavior, to. man. It, it is, but... Wake the hell up. It's a lot of unconscious behavior, but still, you can make the change. That's right, because you can become conscious. You can become you conscious. You don't have to be a victim of your traumas of the right. past. You don't have Instead to be... of running from it, face it. That's Look, you, you can be better than you are, man. Absolutely. This is the message that people need to hear. The problem is they're not hearing it. Okay. And if you're Everybody, a, all the liberals are trying to say, "Oh, you know, liberals, you're a victim of society, and you know, we need to pat you <laughs> on the head." And, mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I'm not going to talk about all that. I'm just talking about. <laughs> and if I'm, you, if I'm you, just poking you. Yeah, I know head. you're doing a fine job. And, and and the three people that are out here, if you're in a relationship with someone who's on drugs or alcohol, three C's you need to know. Number one, you're not the one that caused it, even though they blame you. You're not the one that caused it. Number two, you don't have any control over their habits, right? And number three, you cannot cure their habit. Those are the three C's that mm-hmm. I try to tell everyone that's in a relationship with a drug mm-hmm. addict. It's it's on them. It's on them. And you're right. If they need to stop running from that trauma, like, get some responsibility. Grow a pair of balls and turn around and face your fears and, and do it. And but the, I'd say the biggest factor in, in 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 that is joining the community of of sobriety. So that yeah. would be like a twelve step program. Yes. Get a new circle of friends. Get a sponsor. Right. Find somebody who's been where you are that's that's climbed out of the hole and help, right. let them hold you accountable. Yeah. You know, be vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, you know, admit to your mistakes. Take ownership of your and take responsibility for the mistakes that you make in the future. Yep. Be quick to confess your sins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be quick to admit your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you know what? No one's better at that than addicts than people who've been down this road. 
Right. I mean, these are the people who are building community in our world today. Mm-hmm. These are the people who are really on the cutting edge of, of changing things because they've experienced the pain, the suffering of living in a dysfunctional relationship, of being uh, codependent, of being uh, a victim of their own habit energy. And they got to the point where they were sick of it and they found a solution and they joined a community, a 12-step program. Yep. They were able to take responsibility. Somebody mentored them. Somebody said to them, hey, right. you can be better than you are, man. Right. Right, and they didn't hear that from anybody else in their life ever. And they gave up this this, uh, and it turned them around. They gave up this illusion of being in control of what's going on, and the illusion of being a victim, and the whole yeah, thing. All that stuff. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so you know, you can be better than you are. Mm-hmm. That's a message people need to hear. Yeah. And they need to hear it from Amen. somebody they can respect, not yeah. just you know. And so, yeah. I mean. This is what we're talking about here. This is so again. It comes back to community. What's the what heals drug addiction? What heals depression? Community, community, and, mm-hmm. and part of that community is having real relationships with people who are real people who mm-hmm. experience real life, mm-hmm. who can give you advice not from hypothetical right. ideas, not from a book, not from a religious from a document book. that they yeah. read that was written four thousand right. years ago right. or some theory that they got. Uh, but because based on, they lived it, man. They because lived through it. And those are the people that are going to help you and mentor yep. you. To become, uh, to be able to get past your coping strategies that don't work, mm-hmm. and you know they don't work. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's always so. Flush it down the toilet, you know, and yeah. move forward. But how do you do that? You have the th- the three things that you talked about, you know. Um, so we can rehash that. Uh, yeah, that's your expertise. Um, yeah, I mean that that is, but I mean, you know, uh, uh, the drug addiction thing. I know more about having someone that I love and care about being addicted than I know about being addicted myself, with the, with the exception of cigarettes. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was my only addiction. Uh, well, coffee. Hell, I drink the hell out of that. But, uh, you know. Uh, but, um, yeah, that, that's great. We can talk about that in the future, man. I'd love to talk about that. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, cross-pollination that can happen in terms mm-hmm. of future podcasts. We're just kind of touching on, we're just picking random topics, and mm-hmm. we're talking about, uh, these random topics as they come up, and we're, we're basically this is top of mind conversation. Right. We haven't done a lot of research, <laughs> no, um, and, but we're still filling it's up two hours. Too dimwits for a reason. That's man. right. Yeah. So we're you know we're 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 too dimwits. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know we're not uh, presenting a scholarly um, analysis of the problem. Uh, uh, we didn't no really means. go. There's a lot of things we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the disproportionate number of African Americans. The whole gym, modern day yep. Jim Crow. We right. could have gone into that. Yep. Um, there's a lot of things that. I could have personal stories I could have told. You know, if you'd question me, I'd I'd come out with some pretty entertaining stories. I'm sure. Yeah, maybe but, we uh, can go down that road later. We can certainly do that another time. Um, but we started this talking about civilization 2.0, mm-hmm. and so you know, let's close with that idea. Sure. Um, if we identified the problem and we're saying that the solution is bail reform, uh, mm-hmm. the, the solution is being able to have halfway houses so people can take one step back into a free society that's not going to be shocking, overwhelming, allowing right. them to then, you know, feel to return, going from wearing stripes to wearing uh, street clothes right. and, and progressively integrating back into society, being able to build some relationships and having mentors that they can, and community where they can uh, get the resources they need if they want them, if they're willing to receive it, mm-hmm. so that they can uh, integrate back and they can make better choices and what have you. Yeah, I'd like to have add, resources. I'd like to add to that is having some other facilities for the mentally ill. Yeah, absolutely. That is not prison or jail, some some good facilities where they actually get treatment, right? and uh, they're not treated like criminals, because mentally ill people are not criminals, they're just simply ill, and uh, that would that would be my addition to Civilization 2.0. Right, and so, and 
to continue. Um, other things that we could talk about um, is definitely spending more money on our military. Uh, we, we definitely need to spend more money on our military. Um, but I'm sorry, were you kidding? Or oh, yeah, yeah, were you? Was... <laughs> <laughs> uh, go, the... I, I wanted to make sure that I heard that. Right. It, it, I knew it had to have been a joke. Yeah, you know? That's like saying spend, that's like more prisons. That's like saying, right. Oh, yeah. That's like saying, okay, the, the yeah. answer to the problem, society's ills is more cops, more, more cops prisons, and more prisons. And yeah. bigger Lock them up. More yeah. military spending, more cops, more prisons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. No, no. More violence, no. more control. No, this is yeah. just symptomatic of the collapse of seven of, <laughs> of civilization 1.0. I mean, more cops, more prisons, uh, more more military spending. I mean, come on. Yeah. Enough, enough, enough. Uh, it's just going to make a lot of people rich and a lot enough. of people poor. Or a enough. few people rich and a lot of people poor. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so we're go trying ahead. to wrap up. The, yeah, we're trying to, wrap trying to this up. find an ending, and, ending to this. It's you know I was going to go into like the five myths of mass incarceration. Incarceration. Yeah, there's go. I identified five myths we haven't even talked about. So we'll say five same same quick. Well, I don't want to. Let's wrap it up. I'll just put it on the website. People can read it if they want to. Okay. Um, All right. You know, All right. put some YouTube videos up there. If people mm-hmm. want to educate themselves on the subject. I I realize that a lot of people are. Uh, don't care, and it's not because they don't care. It's because they have no frame of reference. They have no frame of reference, or they're just they just don't know. That they're yes, and so you know? um, honestly, I don't care really. I mean, I've been through all of it, and I this is not the topic I want to talk about. I yeah. want to move on with my life. I could, could I don't want to dredge up these memories of the past and sure. talk about what it's like to be in jail and prison. Sure, I don't care about it. Yeah. You know, I don't plan on going back, and I don't care. I don't really care about it. But I'm I'm only talking on this topic because it's something that the uh, that people do need to have some uh, point of reference, mm-hmm. and maybe by my sharing my experience and what have you, uh, um, insights into the whole question, then maybe you know it benefits society at large to be able to hear this podcast and maybe th- to get some uh, understanding as to what the issues are, and from that maybe they can investigate further and watch a YouTube video and learn a thing or two, and right. Maybe, so. That's the value of my experience is to be able to share it in some way, uh, even though I don't care. Okay. The problem is, <laughs> the problem is that too many people don't care. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. You know, which it's easy not to care. Which brings us to you know something I've been wanting to mention, and it's probably a little bit premature, but I'm, I'm just going to mention this. Um, you know, we're uh, Mark and I and a guy named Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, we're having a nice little meeting here. Uh, every Saturday at Cafe on Broadway here in Salem Springs, and and we're trying to figure out what exactly we are about. What is it we do care about? What is it that we do care about? And I, and I, I think that and again, this we 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 care about uh, a healthy mind, and healthy mind is a mind that's open to new ideas. It, it's uh, it, it's open to um, acceptance of other people. It, it's 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 open to um, you know thinking outside the box. Uh, we care about a healthy spirit. Um, uh, a spirit that, you know, a healthy spirit is, is one that's able to recognize the supernatural things in the world. The, the one that's, uh, a healthy spirit is able to uh, recognize and seek for harmony uh, with, uh, with fellow man and with nature and with the, uh, with the supernatural and, and the supreme being um, or beings, depending on what your, what your, a take is on that, and we also care about a healthy body. You know, um, we're not, we're not, we're by no means health nuts. All you got to do is see a picture of me on the website, and you'll know that I am not a health nut. But, but oh, I'm going to get you on this iodine. Yeah, get me on iodine. I, I'm, I'm buying into it, dude. I really am. And uh, so, you know, we we just see that 
there's so much in our environment that is uh, so unhealthy for the mind, for the spirit, for the body. And, of course, Mark and I always talk about uh, how we want Civilization 2.0, a healthy society. And, and I think that if, if the three of us, me and Mark and, and Jeremy, can, um, you know, strive for a healthy mind and uh, a healthy spirit and a healthy body, um, then by that we can make our society more healthy. And I'm hoping that um, if anyone is out there listening to us, that you would you would join us in that. It idea. needs to be a community effort. Because, it really does. Uh, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, but we need to be in community in order to um, uh, be challenged to step outside of our own comfort zone. Because somebody's going to bring a strength that we don't have, and into to that circle. Absolutely. And, and we're going to look to them for that strength and imitate and emulate that behavior uh, that they have, and be like you know, and be grateful to, to for their influence, the positive influence. So right. this this is what community is all about, and, in my view. Yeah, and we all have weaknesses, and we all have strengths. And if there's in in community, there's other people that make up for your weaknesses, and there's other people who have weaknesses that you have strengths that make up for their weaknesses. Uh-huh. So it's it's the way that we are as human beings. We need community, right? And um, you yeah, know, the Apostle Paul used an analogy to describe the church as the body of Christ. The and, body of and, Christ, and, yeah. and you know. And that's a good analogy of community because you have parts of the body who um, might have a function of a hand and another part of the body that has a different function, but we mm-hmm. all need each other because mm-hmm. that immune system and nervous system. Whole. Exactly. So yeah. it's about wholeness. And th- I mm-hmm. think that's just a metaphor to describe what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, fa- the fact is that there's a lot of toxins in the environment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're exposed to heavy metals. We're, we need iodine. That, but that could be a metaphor for the toxins that we're exposed to mentally by the false doctrines the, and teachings and theologies that present yeah, the themselves. Toxic ideas. The toxic ideas. Yes. Yeah, they I, get embedded in our the habit energies, the trauma we've been experiencing, mm-hmm. the, the, the bad examples of authority figures in our lives that we're imitating and, without knowing it. And there's certainly and toxic spirituality, that's toxic, too. Yeah. You know, right, uh, hypocrisy, uh, closed-mindedness. Uh, so there's pollution everywhere. There's pollution so you're everywhere. identifying three things. You're saying the body, the mind, and the spirit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So each one of those things is is uh, is under attack by uh, toxins in the environment. Yes, it's not just the body, right? No, you no, have, it's not. There's there's toxins affecting us mentally, right? Right, and that could be related to a body uh, being under the influence of uh, heavy metals or what have you. But but. But I'm talking about ideas that are toxic, mm-hmm. and so and then the spirit. You know, um, right. you know, if if you're not being grateful, if you're not living in the present moment, mm-hmm. then you're always uh, feeling anxiety and stress, mm-hmm. and you're always thinking that you're going to achieve that what you desire uh, down the road in the future, and you're you're or working you're, yourself into the grave. If you're living in the past, you're right. always experiencing feelings of failure and yes. feelings of regret. Uh, you know it, the. This is where meditation is, right. comes into the play, and that has to do with the, the spirit, you know, as I see it, because it affects the other areas too, the mind and the body. But right. I think of it as more of a spiritual thing because you just identified, you know, we're either think our brain is either thinking about the past or the future, mm-hmm. and that's creating stress. Uh, you know, we need right. to be in the present moment, right. and find well, joy, peace, and happiness now. Right. Well, that's uh, uh, the uh, uh, the one that is like the founder of Taoism, where all the Taoists give him credit for. He said that the mind in the future is anxiety. Mm -hmm. The mind in the past is depression. Mm -hmm. But the mind in the present is contentment. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I would say fear and guilt. Uh, Fear fear of the future and guilt from the past. Sure. 
And yeah. uh, as a consequence, uh, where's your peace? Right? right. There isn't any. Yeah. Um, so our job really is to reclaim greater and greater amounts of peace. Mm-hmm. And by and we can do that through forming community, mm-hmm. not only to re- reclaim a peace for ourselves as individuals, but, but for to, society, to, but for to, others. And that's what I talked about, about sovereignty. Yeah. You know, the idea of sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And so, but community is a collective effort to create sovereignty with each member of that community helping and contributing and encouraging and uplifting and edifying one another so that we can all reclaim our sovereignty mm-hmm. as a, and as a collective, we can uh, be a force in the world to bring about change. Yeah. And, and even if the only change is just a mental, uh, a body, our body physically, ourselves individually, our, our spirit, and our mind, but the consequence of that, uh, um, group, um, Collective sovereignty is going to spill over. It's like a light to the world, whether we, whether we communicate it um, um, through traditional means, like putting up a writing articles or a YouTube video, and that that becomes a, a mind virus that spreads through society like a meme. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm saying just the fact that you have reclaimed your own sovereignty, just the fact that you're in a community of people who are encouraging one another to reclaim their sovereignty. That collective is a force for change. It's 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 like. Um, I don't know, scientific... Have you ever heard of the, the, the 100 monkey theory? I mean, it was debunked at one time because the idea was that they found monkeys on one island that were, that were uh, using a tool to, uh, to get their food, and then the monkeys on the other island started to use the tool, and there was no connection between the two, so the idea was that somehow the mental uh, process spread, and then that was debunked oh, okay. later and said, said, no, that wasn't true, there was... Yeah. that. Okay, but yeah. recently this idea has come forward again, and there has been credible evidence to support this idea that there is, uh, like, if I if I if I learn to ride a bicycle, it's easier for other people in other parts of the world to ride a bicycle. Now that sounds oh, that wow. sounds okay. That sounds That's, pseudoscience. You're kind of going the forte. Type um, thing, yeah. yeah, but like, what I'm saying is, look, look, look at the the records that have been set at the Olympics. You know, somebody sets a rule and they say, oh, you can never run faster than this, and they do, and then they do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that you know human beings can push themselves to greater achievement in life when you know there's no we're placing limits on ourselves. Well, and, and I believe that there is a collective game. A collective consciousness is what. That's what I'm collective saying. unconsciousness is what Carl Jung described. Okay. It, it's, it's. I don't know how. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm off in the bushes here. Yeah, that's okay, and we need to bring it on home. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was. I'm talking. getting all metaphysical. Shut me yeah. up. <laughs> Nothing to do with with pretrial um, incarceration, mass incarceration, but you know um, whatever. You know it's actually the opposite. I think that what's going on in the mass incarceration thing is that that uh, it's the reverse of that in some ways. You know, it's like mm. it's like you, there's a prison culture, and you know I know guys that w- were anxious to go back to prison so they could get tattoos. You know, they just wow. that was the whole thing. I mean, there are yeah, guys would be like, right, I right. can't wait to get to prison. I can't wait to get to prison. Right, right. And um, right, it's right. like, do you hear what you're saying? Yeah. That, uh, Wow. Well, it's you know, and again, like you said, it's a prison culture. It's a different different way of looking at things. But anyway, we we do need to wrap it up. Um, I'm giving you the last word. Wrap it up. Oh, okay. I was off in the bushes talking <laughs> some 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 metaphysical BS. Well, I, I'll tell you and what. You're saying you love that because oh yeah. Spe- speaking of metaphysical BS and all that kind of stuff, here's the deal. Okay. I got a new phone. Yeah. And right on. Um, I don't have our little list. Oh, okay. Uh, so what I thought we would do here is, I don't know if I have a subject in mind or not, but I'm going to hit our random number generator. Okay. And if it's an odd number, you get to choose what you want to talk about next time. Okay. 
And if it's an even number, I get to choose what I want to talk about next okay. time. Okay. Okay. And then we'll we'll rebuild our list. Okay? okay. All right. You're odd. I'm even. Here we go. Eight. I'm even. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. <laughs> Great. Because because it, it was uh, you get to pick it. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was going to be Bitcoin if I picked it. No. So. <laughs> it's not going to be Marxism. Trust me. It's it's not. What I would really really like to talk about because we had a uh, a great conversation. None of it got recorded, but I would really like to talk about um, spirituality. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Next uh, next time. Excellent. So uh, we'll talk about different spiritual traditions. We'll talk about uh, specifically the Judeo Christian. Um, tradition and what's great about that is that i'm starting a new job and i'm going to be busy and tired i'm going to go home and pass pass out but this subject is not one i need to do any research <laughs> right yeah me so. neither i'm lazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so next time we're going to talk talk about spirituality uh and we'll call it good this is dwight from the left and mark from the right signing off thanks signing for joining off, us the we'll good. see you next week see you next week thank you The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.